Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Fire up for pro football. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad. Wouldn't kill you. We'd play some competitive sports once in a while, would it? Oh, would that make you love me? Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor with you. Jesse Osmond here as well. We've got Hater to Love It coming up at 1030. Hopefully we got all your questions answered in time for you to help set your lineups. We got a lot at the end there that we tried to get there. Um, Also coming up next is the West Coast Bias, which we will talk about the Rams and whether or not we actually think that they're a good team or not after winning in the shootout against the Niners on Thursday night football. I actually had a good Thursday night football game for once, which is nice. Uh, but right here, we got to talk about the, the elephant in the room, if you will, the serious stuff that's going on today in this weekend with the NFL. And that is the national anthem protest slash Donald Trump comments on Friday, Saturday in an Alabama rally. Um, so I, I guess, We'll set the scene first. He was at an Alabama rally, uh, Donald Trump, and he said to get those SOBs, yet in a in the real term, off the field, fire them. He was talking to NFL owners if they decide to to protest the national anthem, if they decide to kneel during the national anthem or do whatever form of protest they would like to do. Um, which I guess for Donald Trump comments is not too crazy, <laughs> but uh, was still him calling out an entire league of players and calling teammates SOBs and just, you know, just, it was not, it, he shouldn't have said those things, obviously. Um, today, a lot of the owners have come out and made statements against it. A lot of the players and coaches have come out and made statements against it. And the, the question was what was going to happen during the national anthem of all these games. We saw in the early morning game, Jaguars, Ravens in, in London, about half of the players on each team were kneeling. Uh, some of all of them were linking arms together in, in a kind of a stand together, a, a show of unity. Um, we have seen now in these games that just started, the Steelers decided not to leave the locker room. The only person on the Steelers sideline was Mike Tomlin. Uh, and then I, I saw on Twitter, one of the offensive linemen, uh, Villanueva for the Steelers did stand just outside the locker room. Everybody else was in the locker room for the Steelers. Um, the rest that we saw all seemed fairly similar. A lot of people had locked arms. A lot of people were kneeling. There was So basically the, what happened today was there was much more widespread demonstrations by NFL players against what Donald Trump said and against what is going on in the country right now in terms of inequality, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of setting the scene. I don't really know where else to, to, where to go from that. I mean, my opinion, I've made fairly well known on the show. If you want to protest something, go for it, man. You have every single right as, a, as an American to protest in any single way that you want to protest. 
Um, if that's kneeling for the national anthem, and great, do it. I totally support any player who has who who wants to do that. That's totally your right, right? Mm-hmm. I've always said that, and to me, this is just a continuation of that. There's more players doing it to take a stand because, well, Donald Trump attacked NFL players specifically, so more players are taking a stand to 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 be with their football player brethren, their brothers on the field, and they're going to go ahead and, and make a statement. And I'm glad that they are. So I, I don't really know where else to go from that. I mean, that's that's what I've been saying this whole time with this, and it's continuing today. The, he's, this has been an, an an interesting week for Donald Trump. It's one thing, um, to when you insult, you know, different races and and ethnicities and cultures and you know all those things. But sports is one of those things that kind of everybody latches onto for the most part. And the first thing he did was when he came for Steph Curry. That's like Steph Curry is, you know, I know we're football Sunday, but Steph Curry is one of the poster boys of the NBA and really one of the good guys in sports. You know, the family man, the, you know, the, he goes to, goes to church. He's as conservative of, of a player, uh, of a person as you're going to find. And then for that whole thing to kind of roll out, you're, you're really starting to see that, man, players just aren't going to be silent anymore. And if, if you're the president, man, you mean to tell me that, you don't let you're not gonna let people practice their First Amendment rights. You're not gonna let you're not gonna let people really like yeah, that, that, these are laws that you're supposed to enforce. These are these this is how why you're the president. And it's just it, it's really sad. So these guys, these NFL players are disrespectful, right? They're supposed to be disrespectful to the flag. And there are a lot of people that feel that way. And if you feel that way, more power to you. You know, that's it's that's, your that's, right to feel that your, way. That's exactly as as Americans, you know, as people that live in this country, man, it's your right to feel however you want to feel about that. That's okay. But he called these players SOBs, sons of bees, for not, you know, for not standing during the anthem. And that's disrespectful. I'm curious because he called the people in Charlottesville fine people. There were fine people on both sides. They were fine, but but I'm saying, do these do these fine people that, that carry the Confederate flag, is that not disrespectful to Civil War vets? Or not vets, but Civil War participants and families of people that participate in the Civil War? Is that is the swastika that's on that Nazi flag? Is that not disrespectful to World War II vets that I know? There's one of them that actually lives right across the street from me that we talk, you know, relatively often about things. So, is that not disrespectful to them? But it's okay because these guys play football, so they really shouldn't talk about politics. They should just sit down, play their play their role, and and moving on. So this isn't always about race. This does have a lot to do with race, but this is also about place. Knowing what your place is, knowing what your spot on the food chain is, and for these, for a lot of these owners, you know, and for and for a lot of politicians and, and anybody else, you're just supposed to play the game and don't say anything. We don't tell teachers not to talk about politics. We don't tell, uh, I don't know, gas uh, gas attendants, you know, don't talk about that stuff. It's only athletes that we tell them, that, hey man, we just want to be entertained by you, just like like animals in a zoo. Go ahead and dance and don't tell. We don't care about how what you think and feel. That's a that's a really bad precedent to set if you are the leader of the free world. Right. And uh, I think you make a great point. If if he is supporting free speech for everybody, right, which he should because he's the president of the United States, then he should be supporting free speech for everybody. That includes athletes. Athletes are not just like you said there for your entertainment, right? They're they're human beings. They live in this country. They have feelings, they have morals, they have beliefs. And if they want to stand up for them, they have every right to do that. So I, I think it's absolutely insane that that he would say that. Now, the reasoning behind it, I'm assuming, is because he was trying to pander to the crowd. He knows where he was. He was in Alabama. That's a very, very 
pro-Trump country, and it's probably a place that's very angry about the way the NFL players are going. So, of course, you want to get the the cheers from the crowd and whatnot, but I, it's stupid. It was a stupid thing to say. Now, this is the big thing for me, right? This week, you're going to see all of these protests across the national anthem, right? You're going to see statements made. You're going to see all of these things, right? It's going to be, it's going to be just like that. But if it stops after this week, then it loses its luster. It's a hollow point. If, if the NFL players truly believe in what they are protesting today, then they will continue to do it throughout the rest of the season. If they don't do it after this week, then it's a hollow point. It's a hollow protest and it's going to lose the value that it has. Now it still has value. I'm not taking away from it, but it's going to lose it, and people are going to forget about it versus it being a thing that's discussed all the time. I, I think it's go- not going to stop. I think it's going to become more rampant. Like over the over the past few games, up until this incident happened, you saw more and more players starting to take part in it. Now this is the thing where he basically called every player in the NFL an SOB that does it. So these guys are like, hold on, we we're what? So watch it. watch this just as a, as a a show of solidarity. Watch what we're going to do. I think it's going to be bigger than this. Like I hope the baseball so. season is not over. Yeah, and there's there already the, a baseball catcher player from who the A's that already decided to take a to kneel during the anthem. This isn't going to end. Like you, you, you talk about uh, the Major League Baseball, which is flooded with Dominican and Latino players, and you know a few black players there. But I mean, some of those, their issues are are just as prevalent as those in the African American community. So. Don't think that you're not going to see more and more teams, more and more sports actually kind of take on this protest. This has become bigger than just Colin Kaepernick in football at this point. And I kind of hope that a team decides to sign Kaepernick this week now. I hope Kaepernick, and I hope Kaepernick doesn't sign with one of those teams. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> because what's going to happen is it's going to be, well, all's well that ends well. Kaepernick got his job. There's no reason to protest anymore. So let's just go ahead and sweep this under the rug and keep it moving. There's a much bigger issue right now in the NFL and in sports, in America, and it's, it's bigger than football. So I hope Kaepernick decides to decline on whatever job they decide to offer him. Apparently the national anthem singer at the Detroit game took a knee while singing the national anthem. That's pretty awesome. There you go. So, and uh, my thing is, why are people so upset about an anthem you don't watch anyway? They don't even really show the national anthem on TV. We saw in Red Zone, they show four teams linking arms, and then they went straight into the games. They don't show it on TV. Unless it's the first game of the season, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, something like that, they're not showing these, these anthems. So why are people so upset about it anyway? I know. All right. It's crazy. Coming up next, West Coast Bias time. Let's talk the Rams. Are they actually good? This is Football Sunday on The Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I had the air in my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, I want to talk about the Rams, which is something I haven't said in quite some time. Like ever? <laughs> like ever. Um the LA Rams start the year two and one in the the season after beating the Niners in a shootout. Which this was week. a really good game on Thursday night. I was not expecting that. I don't think any of us were. We've been criticizing Thursday night football for quite some time, and at least that was a good game. 41-39, the Rams won. They tried to blow it at the end, but they won the game. And they've started the year two and one with uh scoring forty six and forty one points in their two wins and then losing twenty seven twenty to the Redskins in week two. Now, the question is, and it's a pretty simple one, but I feel like it has it has validity. Are the Rams actually good? Or are they the beneficiary of having the Colts and the Niners on their schedule early 
and being able to put up a lot of points. It's, it's a little bit of, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, it's kind of like, you know, similar to the Oregon Ducks. You got three games to start your season, which were all incredibly winnable games, possibly four. You know, you should probably, the Ducks should be 4-0 right now. I think the Rams are kind of looking at, at, at a, the same situation. You got three teams. They, they should have beat Washington uh, a week ago. They didn't. They fell short. And then they, you know, put up, what, 47 points, 40, 44 points or something like that against the 49ers. So whose defense is actually getting much better? People, you know, still want to really harp on how bad the 49ers are on offense, and they are. But their defense is actually, you know, their their, their front four is getting much better. So I think the Rams are okay. You know, I think the best thing they could have done was get rid of Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher was not a good coach. He was in a situation when he was in Tennessee to where you have Aaron McNair and you have uh, – What's my running, what's my running back's name? That was uh, Eddie George, you know, at that point. So it's really, it's not going to say really easy, but it's much easier to kind of make things happen when we have two Hall of Fame guys, you know, to to run the offense for you. Can you do the? Can you build young talent? And I think that's where he always messed up. So I'm I'm looking at this defense, especially from the from the Rams, saying hey, Wade Phillips has got them playing some okay ball. Now, mind you, they gave up 34 points or whatever to the to the 49ers, but for the most part. I'm I'm relatively impressed with what I've seen so far from the Rams. What I'm most impressed by now, the defense is good, right? We talked about that in week one and two. Um, Wade Phillips is certainly a good coordinator. What I'm impressed by is how the growth of the young offense has looked so far this year. And again, I know it's against bad defenses, right? Or bad teams in the Colts and the, and the Niners. But um, Jared Goff doesn't look bad anymore, right? Jared Goff looked really, 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 really bad last season. He didn't look ready for the NFL. He looked way over his head. This year, that's not the case. Uh, they went ahead and acquired Sammy Watkins from the Bills, which I think a lot of people scratched their heads at, but this week proved that, hey, he's actually a good receiver, and the Bills just didn't ever use him correctly. Plus, he was hurt a lot. I mean, he he was always injured with his foot injury with Buffalo. And you draft Cooper Cup, who hasn't had the, the best couple of games, but he's looked good in the slot for them. And, oh, yeah, don't forget, third year you got Todd Gurley, and it's easy to forget because last year he was bad, but he scored three touchdowns for you this week, and he's a really good running back. And all of a sudden, uh, it's as if the team did it right. We see teams try to do this rebuild all the time when they get stuck in this quarterback uh, death, essentially, where you just don't get anybody good. And they drafted a guy in Jared Goff who didn't look as good as Carson Wentz early but still might have the ceiling that's higher than Carson Wentz. And you've got a lot of good young players. I I think the Rams are actually kind of good. I, I don't know if that means they're going to have a winning record. But in that division, where the Niners are obviously worse than them, where the Cardinals have looked really bad this year, the Seahawks have no offense, all of a sudden the Rams could win some games this I'm, year. I'm looking at the Rams' offense right now, and in this NFC West, uh, who's got a better offense than them? I mean, possibly uh, no, the Cardinals? No, they don't. Possibly. David Johnson's hurt. You know, David Johnson's out, and so Larry Fitzgerald is 50. Like, the, the Cardinals are the only other team in the NFC West that could say, uh, yeah, we can at least put up, you know, 17 points a game. The Seahawks, you know, we've seen in years past, the Seahawks, Seahawks wins games 6-3, to you know, quite often. You know, they had their first offensive touchdown last week, and I didn't even – I thought they just scored to end, and they missed the field goal after that. So there's just a lot that they can't do. So I'm looking at this Rams team going, Cooper Cup, man, stud as in, in the slot position. And actually – while he hasn't had great games, he'll have moments in every game just like he was wide open. Like who was who was looking at him? Sammy Watkins is somebody who was drafted third overall. So the 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 thought was that he was going to be great anyway. I think when you play for a team that you know has no chance for a lot of the time, it's you you know, attrition kind of sets in. And you you just kind of 
you know, you don't apathy more than anything. You don't really want to play there at all. And the Bills have always been a really defensive-minded team that played very little attention to the offensive side of things. And if you're Sammy Watkins, who's, you know, an offensive beast, yeah, I kind of want a coach that's going to, you know, speak to me and my needs. And so far, it looks like he's getting that in uh, Los Angeles. I'm curious about Sean McVay as the head coach there, too, because he's the youngest head coach in NFL history. He's, I think, only 31 or 32 years old. And it seems like he's breathed some life into there, right? We, we watched Hard Knocks last year, and maybe you watched the um, – I forget the name of the show now, the one that's on Amazon Prime that followed the Rams last year. And what you saw was was you saw a coach in Jeff Fisher who really almost looked like he was just going through the motions, right? He'd been in, He'd been in the game for so long. He's been a head coach for so long. And all of a sudden, he just kind of looked like he had lost it. He lost it at his edge. He lost his ability to follow the trends in the league. He lost his ability to uh, react differently. And he had a lot of seven and nine BS there with LA and, and St. Louis as, as, as a head coach. So it feels like Sean McVay has breathed some life into it. He has a more exciting offensive style. He's kind of letting Wade Phillips do his own thing. Have you noticed in the games, McVay will almost go sit down yeah. when they're on defense. And he'll like plan the next offensive play as while Wade Phillips is essentially the head coach while the defense is coaching. No, I and I, I thought that was pretty interesting. As a young guy, it's good to let let the guys who are older than you have way more experience kind of help you well, out. If you look too. at the teams that are really successful, it's no, it's very few guys that are calling all the plays. You know, Belichick is not calling all the plays for the Pats. He's taking notes and making sure they know what works best against certain situations and packages. But for the most part, he's always trusted his coordinators. You know, he trusted Charlie Weiss. You know, he, he trusted... Uh, with Romeo Cornell, you know, he, he, he really trusts these guys to be able to go out and be the great coordinators that they are. And I think that's what they're kind of doing with Wade Phillips. And, you know, just go ahead because, you know, Wade F Phillips has forgotten more football than he can ever think to learn. So at this point, man, just let him do what he does. Man, I'll go ahead and get the offense ready. You go back out there and make sure our defense is working as, as a unit. And so far through three games, it's worked really, really well for the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff so far this year, 70% completion percentage, 817 yards, five touchdowns, just one pick. He's only taken three sacks. Uh, Todd Gurley's got 241 rushing yards. He's got four touchdowns. We've seen a very, very evenly split offensive output from the receivers. You've got five guys who have over 100 yards receiving, Cooper Cup, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Sam, Wat Sam Watkins, and Gerald Everett, who only has four catches, but all of them deep apparently. Um, so they're they're really spreading the ball around, and their defense is good. We've, we're we're kind of glossing over it, but they actually have a really good defense. Aaron Donald's a freaking beast yeah. on the defensive line. They've got a good set of linebackers. So I I think it, the Rams are ready to kind of start going here, and it's, it helps. That like I mentioned, their division's bad. I, I don't think people should be fooled by the amount of points they're giving up at this point. You know, 27 to, uh, to Washington. I, I don't have the computer on in front of me. I'm not sure how much. 39 to the Niners. Only to seven to the Colts. You know, but. so it's it's one of those things. I wouldn't be fooled too, too much by those numbers. This defense is incredibly effective, and they're only going to get better, and they're still very, very young. I also think it's interesting you're seeing a uh, a difference in the young head coaches with Kyle Shanahan, who's the Niners head coach, and, um, and Sean McVay is – it's not a difference in terms of skill as a head coach. It's a difference in terms of whether or not they have any talent on the field. Mm -hmm. The Niners are just a bad team, right? Uh, Brian Hoyer is not a starting quarterback in this league. No. Carlos Hyde's the only good offensive player they have. I guess Pierre Garçon looked pretty good last week, but, I mean, Pierre Garçon's got no one thrown to him. And the defense has not been as good as it should be as, as all those guys retired and left over, over time. The Niners have completely lost on the defensive side. I think they'll be fine. I think Kyle Shanahan could be a good head coach. I think John Lynch will do a good job as a GM there. But you're seeing the difference in a team that's in, in the rebuild and a team that's leaving the rebuild between the Rams and the Niners. 
watching that game on Thursday. No, yeah, it's 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 two teams that are in, in similar positions. Like they're both like middle of the road teams, but you can tell one of them is kind of on the way up, and the other one is kind of looking like they're going to take a step backwards because there's still a, not a lot that the 49ers are going to need to be able to compete. They still don't have a quarterback. They still don't have a left tackle. They still don't have like a whole bunch that, that they're going to need to be able to be successful. Where outside of Navarro Bowman, like who, who are their, who, who are their great pass rushers? You know, who they got the, the two young ducks. They got Eric you know, Armstead. I mean, Armstead, Armstead is going to be very good, but will Armstead, is he going to be able to kind of, and it's unfortunate because they had Patrick Willis there for so long, but will he be able to kind of step into that role and be that two-headed monster that Bowman and, and Willis were, you know, really give that the, the chance for the guys up front to kind of take some pressure off of them. So I think that with – And DeForest Buckner, the other, by the way. Yeah, there you go. So you, you, I think you got two teams that are right, both kind of middle of the road, but it looks like of, of either of them, the Rams have a, a much bigger upside, much better upside. Um, moving forward, I'd put my money on them to win right now before I would put my money on any other team from the NFC West that's not named the uh, Seahawks. All right, coming up next, we got our hated to love it, as we do every single week. Rashad won last week, yes, so did. we'll see if he can go for two in a row or if I can snap the winning streak. That's next, but first, Jesse has Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. For those who are listening for the first time for this segment, at least, we uh, do this as a competition. We have sound effects, Mario sound effects uh, from the game that will give us points. Jesse asks us questions and is the one who is the point keeper. And the winner of the segment gets to host the final segment of the show. So... Jesse, go ahead and get us started. All right, just remember, uh, Rashad, we already took a point away from uh, your lack so of knowledge earlier. <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Hey, yeah, I mean, we heard the negative point sound. Uh, That's rude. Uh, uh, it is rude. It is rude. Right, you couldn't right. remember Julian Edelman's name. You couldn't oh, remember Julian Edelman's team. It's not there. You couldn't remember if he was playing or not. I couldn't remember, man. Dude has a torn ACL. I couldn't remember. <laughs> it's your own team. Yeah, I knew right. somebody was coming back today, and All it was right. Amendola. Quick quiz. Who was your MVP of the Super Bowl last year? Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we just spent a whole West Coast um, bias talking about the Rams, barely anything about the Seattle Seahawks and uh, the mess that is their offensive line there. Before coming into the uh, regular season, many thought, especially with um, a late season acquisition, um, on, on the defensive side that this is the team to beat in the NFC. After a couple weeks, you might be able to make the argument the Seahawks aren't even the team to beat in the NFC, let alone their own division. Love or hate right now? Uh, well, actually, let's just go the season. The Seahawks are not the best team in the NFC West. Uh, I hate it. They are the best team in the NFC West because the NFC West sucks. Uh, the Niners, as we saw on Thursday night, are really bad. We've seen throughout the entire year. The Rams we just talked about are getting a little bit better, but uh, they're just not that good. And then the Cardinals, I mean, God, they almost lost to the Colts last week. Carson Palmer looks finally, finally looks like his age. They lost David Johnson for more than half the season. So I think by default, the Seahawks are still the best team in the NFC West. And it's mostly because of their defense. Their defense will keep them in all the games that they're in. Uh, they got better by adding Sheldon Richardson in the trade with the Jets, trading away Jermaine Curse. Um, they've still got the, the Legion of Boom. 
Earl Thomas is healthy. Cam Chancellor's healthy. Richard Sherman seems healthy. So you've got a bunch of really good players who are out there on the defense who are keeping you in every single game. And I have to believe that at some point the offense will get going. Remember last year, just as bad of an – well, maybe not just as bad. Almost as bad of an offensive line last year, and they were able to figure it out. Doug Baldwin had a huge year. Russell Wilson had a great second half of the year, and they were kind of able to get it going. I think the offense will get better. The offensive line is really bad, and I'm not sure they have a lot to do that can fix it, but I think that they will still win the NFC West. Uh, uh, hate that – that. wait a minute. I love that the – Seahawks are still the best team. No, 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 so no. That it. they are not the team. Oh, no, yeah, I, I hate that. They are definitely still the best team in the NFC West. The NFC West, like Lynch said, is complete garbage for the most part. We just spent 15 minutes talking about how Jared Goff and the Rams could be the maybe the best offensive team in that, and they have possibly the best quarterback in the NFC West. That should tell you everything that you need to know. But you look at the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are still a very good team. They've got they've got names up and down that team. Russell Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin, Cam Chancellor, uh, Richard, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Sheldon Richardson. You look at that team, and they're clearly a better team than anybody else that that division have to, has to offer. You look at a team that can win a game with six points and can do it consistently throughout the season. We've seen multiple games by the Seahawks where they win the game 13-6, to 13-9. So whether their offense is inept or not, they're still going to figure out a way to win every single week for whatever reason, even if Russell Wilson is running for his life. All right, good good start. Lots of points that first round. All right, uh, moving to Dallas. Last week, we saw a Dallas team in Denver that we were not expecting to really see. It didn't look offensively competent. Zeke Elliott had his worst uh, performance since the first couple weeks of last season. We saw him literally give up on uh, interception play, got called out for it on the season. He had a rough offseason. Things just not going quite right for Zeke Elliott. Love or hate, we should not expect to see the same Zeke Elliott this season that we saw last season. Um, Love, because I think some of the stuff that's going on with the court system is going to weigh over his head a little bit. He doesn't know if he's going to play every single week. The NFL keeps trying to force the courts to change their mind on the uh, on the rule they made that's going to wait until the end of the the, the trial uh the, the courts to keep saying no but ezekiel elliott's essentially going week to week here not knowing if he's going to play based on what's going on with his his suing of the nfl and the nflpa suing of the nfl also it's really easy to have a sophomore slump when you're a really good player now a lot of a lot of what last week was was denver's defense kind of ground the the life out of him a little bit ground the will to try and they he did say he kind of gave up not in those exact words but he said he didn't try as hard as the game got on because he just couldn't get any movement against denver's defensive line um but i don't think you're going to see quite as good of a ezekiel elliott this year just because you're not going to see as good of the cowboys this year we talked about this before the season uh, they are a team who to me seemed like an obvious contender to, to step back because they outplayed their expectations last year dak prescott played amazing but is dak prescott that good or was it was it a little bit of uh, luck in the first year, you know? So I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say love. He will he will play worse this year as a whole. Um, love. He will play worse this year um, overall. But it's kind of hard to say considering he led the league in rushing last year. Do you really expect him to lead the league in rushing for a second year? That offensive line is is kind of looked at as Teflon. But they last week they couldn't protect Dak Prescott. They definitely couldn't give uh, Ezekiel Elliott. It. 
any any help, but I'm, I'm looking at a guy in Ezekiel Elliott who knows exactly how to play the running back position. I think now at this point you have tape on him, and now that you have tape, it's a little bit easier to figure them out. Look, You look at what, how they've been able to really bottle up Dak Prescott over the first couple games. The one thing that should be noted that we kind of forget about, when you're a last-place team and you're going into the next season, you play a last-place schedule. So last year when they were running through everybody and going fifth or 14 and two, they were playing a last place schedule. Then they move forward. Now they're playing a first place schedule and it's starting to kind of show a little bit. So do I think they'll still be good? Yes. But do I think Ezekiel Elliott will take a step backwards? Yes, but it's not going to be too far backwards. Whenever you have that offensive line, you're going to be really, really good. Thank you. All right. So far, Rashad's down by one. Did you take? Did you really take that point away from me? I really me? did take that point away. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, um, the NFC North with the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, the Detroit Lions, and uh, well, the Chicago Bears—they're kind of just kind of almost a gimme win for them. But tough division. That's a tough division. Yep. You got some good defenses. You got some good offenses. You got some decently balanced teams. And you know what? The Lions don't just sling it all the time. They're trying to run that ball, too. They're trying. They're trying. And you know what? They kind of are. And they're being somewhat efficient. And they're not making bad decisions. Matt Stafford's not turning the ball over all the time. You know, not looking too bad there in Detroit. With that being said, Detroit is the team to beat in the NFC North. Hey, it's still the Packers. It is still the Packers. The Packers have not looked great to start the year, but it is still the team that I trust the most. I do not trust Detroit. I I, I like the way that they play on offense, but what have we seen from them over the last few years? An amazing offense, and yet they always find ways to screw it up and not play well either in the playoffs or even make the playoffs. Um, The Vikings losing Sam Bradford is really bad. Now, the Vikings have a good defense that they've played some good offenses against, so it hasn't looked quite as good yet, but they have a very good defense. Uh, They've got a good young offense, but with Sam Bradford out, I can't see them challenging in the NFC North. So that leaves the Packers again, kind of by default. Now I still like Aaron Rodgers a lot. Obviously I think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL and it's really, really close with him and Tom Brady. They've still got a good receiver core. Um, The offensive line could be hit or miss, but to me, the Packers will always be the team to beat in the NFC North as long as Aaron Rodgers is there no matter what. And I think that still holds true to me today. It's it's I I want to I, I want to love it. It's really hard to like Lynch said to go against what the Green Bay Packers are able to do. But I I am going to love it. I think the Lions are the most complete team that the NFC or that the uh, NFC North actually has at this point. You look at what they're able to do defensively. You look at the, their ability. They they don't look like they should be able to run the ball, but they have. Green Bay is a you know a a, a Randall Cobb or a, an injury to to um, one of their receivers away from going down and Aaron Rodgers is going to have to chuck it up. We saw he struggled a lot last year when he didn't have all the offensive weapons. They had a running back that had to turn or a wide receiver that had to turn running back just to make sure that they can be able to keep some type of balance. Their defense has been really bad over the past couple. Not really bad, but they just haven't matched what Aaron Rodgers and that offense are able to do. I'm looking at the Lions over there and Matt Stafford or Matt Stafford lost uh, Megatron, and so his numbers should go down. In fact, they were actually much better last year because he's able to spread the ball out to all the different weapons that he actually has. We've we've been talking fantasy for three weeks, and for three weeks, Amir Abdullah is still the name that we end up going with because we're still confident that he's able to make something happen in that offense over there. So I'm looking at this this Lions team saying with Caldwell and everything, I think they've got what it takes to at least make a run in the NFC North, at least. 
All right. Sounds close to me. It, yeah, lots of points. That was a fury of points there in the end. I like a lot of those points you had in there. Green Bay D going down. The, 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 we just can't seem to drop Abdullah, like, even though he's not been great. Reason, every week, we keep picking him. He's 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 been getting things done. Like, not in a fantastic manner, but getting things done. Um, with that being said, our winner this week, Rashad Taylor. Whoa! Woo! Came back from losing a point for hey, not man. knowing Julian Edelman was on your own team. And hey, man, like I just I'm, I'm terrible with names. You, you should see me like at the bar. I'll meet like meet people like girls. Yeah, like, oh, hey, what's up, Rashad? I'm like, hey. There's you? a difference between being terrible with names and not knowing terrible your favorite names. team's best receiver. Hey, man, they they're, they're, and it, it changes the every week. <laughs> it changes every week. It's Who so knows? true, man. Yeah, I mean. We thought James White was going to, or Deion Lewis was the best. Him. Deion Lewis was Come the best on. running back the Patriots had for I a mean, week. And then the next week it was James White. This is Julian Edelman. It is he was Julian out Edelman. for the year. I mean, he yeah. really should know that Edelman's out yeah, for the I, year. Yeah, I got, I was getting him and Amendola, just the, my wires oh, crossed. Oh, so now there. all white wide receivers are the same, huh? Bingo. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, uh, coming up next, Rashad gets to host the last segment. This is Football Sunday on 1080 to the Field. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten forty-seven, Football Sunday. You actually had a full segment today. Yeah, right. That's crazy. We got like, that, that on that time. Never ever happens. We're usually like five minute pa- five minutes past the clock when we come back from break. So, I think this timer thing's working out. Well, yeah, we got to do minute answers, so it helps. Plus, I, I broke at 10.27 exactly, which is our break time for the previous segment. So we had the full allotted time to do it there, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just finally glad that we don't have to rush anything. You know, but that's usually the last, you know, we come back and like, okay, welcome back, and see you next week. Yep. So that's usually the way it goes. So I'm kind of happy about that. But Lynch just kind of brought up a good point as he's sitting there looking kind of sad in the other, in the other chair is that fantasy football – there's a love-hate relationship there with it. Um, like, right now, I really hate it. Mm, uh, me too. Because my team is awful, and Jesse, you better not mark that. Um, but I, it's one of those things, like, my my guys just are not very good. And then all of a sudden, the guys you pass on, like, I passed on Mike Tolbert. I needed a new running back. Passed on Mike Tolbert. You guys, you guys both told me, yeah, Mike Tolbert, why would you do that? And then he scores a touchdown. Yep. And I'm pretty sure my running back isn't going to score anything. So we'll see. Well, I am very annoyed at fantasy football right now because this is my big league, right? My big money league, if you will. And last year I came in second to last place, had half of my team injured in like three weeks, and it was just gone from there. This week I thought I did great. This year I thought I did a great job in the draft. And I'm over here with 22 points. I've lost the first two weeks on Monday night and on Sunday night when I was up by 40 and 30 respectively. And I lost both nights. So it's been unlucky. And now I'm here losing again, starting 0 three. It feels like you're already out, right? Like, I know that's not the case, but it feels like you're already out of the running when you start an uphill battle from there. And it's just been a lot like, again, kind of bad luck, right? I, I, I lost to Marco Murray to injury last week and he got like one point. Gronk got hurt after starting the game so great last week. I would have won if the Gronk was probably still in the game for the second half, but he wasn't after he got his groin injury. And, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson on the bye. I had two, I lost Landry and Jackson week one for bye weeks because of 
uh, because of what happened. You know, it, it's just been, it's been a crappy season so far and it's so frustrating, but yet this is why I still watch the NFL because, well, I love my, I love my fantasy football team. So I, I, lo- I won week one with 56 points. I still watch the red zone. I should say not the full NFL. Uh, you know, honestly, I, it's, it's hard for me not to watch a full game. Like, my team is on. I mean, I could care less about the Eagles and Giants. I want to see the Patriots play. So if my team is on, I'm definitely going to watch. But if my team doesn't play until maybe the Sunday night game, Monday night game, something like that, then I'll watch Red Zone literally all day. You know, but I'm just one of those. I love it. Yeah, I'm just one of those guys. If I'm, if you, So you would much rather watch Red Zone than the Broncos actually play? No, I, I'll, I usually watch the Broncos play if it's on TV here. But, I mean, I'll flip because commercials are constantly happening. So... I don't know. And a lot of the times I'll see more interesting plays from the Broncos game watching red zone than I would just watching the game because they'll show you all the big plays anyway. So Mm -hmm. I don't mind flipping back and forth and missing some stuff from my own team, but in general, I still like watching red zone more. No. Yeah. I mean, red zone is it's, it's convenient. You know, if you're just going to show us all the, all the good stuff, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Like I just, I would much rather just watch my own team play because it's one of those things you, you can't really tell a lot about a team from the highlights. You can't tell a lot about tendencies and a lot of those things from just, you know, that this is the great play that happened. Like, you don't get a chance to see how many times they were called for flags or, you know, how the, the right side of the line can't block or anything like that. So there's certain things you can get from actually watching the game that you can't get from red zone or anything like that. It's just been so frustrating. It's it's, and I, I feel like as we've gone the last few years, fantasy football has gotten more frustrating because the amount of running back by committee situations that are going on uh, there are more it, – it, it appears like there's more serious injuries to to key players, or at least that's how it feels like to me. And, you know, it's it's harder to get a great team. I think a lot of it has to do with – I mean, it's always been about luck, but I feel like even more so nowadays it's about getting lucky with your, your running back who turns out to be the guy and he stays healthy. And maybe you find a third receiver who turns out to be – like Adam Thielen was last year when nobody knew who he was, but you got him, you know, that kind of a thing. And a lot of it is about, you know, being smart on the waiver wire and making good trades and stuff. It's, but it's just so hard to tell, like, as far as running backs, like you, one guy can have an amazing year, a la Eddie Lacy, you know, his first year, first two years, and then all of a sudden just go straight down the toilet. Remember when Shady McCoy was the first running back that you would take in fantasy, and now he might be the – ninth, 10th, maybe 11th quarterback you took, you know, or excuse me, running back you took during fantasy. So it's just, it, it varies every single year. So what worked for you last year might not work at all, you know, this year. Remember, uh, what was the, uh, the, the tight end's name from the, from the Bengals? Not Eifert. Was it Eifert? No, from the Browns, excuse me. Gary Barnage. Yep, Gary Barnage. I remember that year, Gary Barnage two years ago was just unbelievable. A top five tight end as far as fantasy went. And he, you can't, you can't find him at this point. And Kevin Hogan was Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan was incredibly open in the end zone right there. So again, your own player, Rashad. Hey man, this, I don't <laughs> man, these dudes are interchangeable. They'll be gone in a week. Like I mean, I don't get to know anybody on this Patriots roster. Uh, I'm so used to them uh, being in and out. But Chris Hogan, I always get him confused with Kevin Hogan, former uh, Stanford quarterback. But uh, yeah, now Browns quarterback. Now Browns. Quarterback I think he's still behind Deshaun Kaiser. But Chris Hogan. Former lacrosse player was incredibly old. I'm trying to figure out who was Garden. Who was? Who they was, fell for the play fake. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And by the way, we also just saw the Broncos just had Jamal Charles run for a touchdown instead of C.J. Anderson. That's like exactly the problem with fantasy football, right? Like you, 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 
you drafted C.J. Anderson, and he's the number one guy, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's great against the Bills. Even, you know, it'll be good. And then Jamal Charles runs for, like, 12-yard touchdowns. So that's that's anything. Though. Right, yeah. but I, mean, it, I feel like it's happening more and more nowadays because they're going more and more by committee, and that, it makes it more frustrating. Yeah, it does. I mean, but I mean, CJ Anderson so far four touches, thirty three yards. You're you're still happy with what he's done. But not thus that far. touchdown though. He, he doesn't have the touchdown. I I anticipate another touchdown from CJ Anderson coming later on today. I'm sure it will. He's going to get plenty of touches in this game. Yeah, only four so far. Yeah, I'm just trying to make a point that yeah. this is why fantasy football is more frustrating now is because there's really not many workhorse running backs anymore. Oh, no, I think that day is over. And to be honest, I don't know if we'll ever see that day of the, you know, the kind of the the, the Jerome Bettis, you know, the, that that Adrian Peterson, man, I'm, I'm in there every single snap doing that. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. There's just too many athletic running backs that you can put in there, and a lot of them do a lot of different things, man. So I don't know if we're going to see the day of just one premier running back for a team. You get about four or five a season. You know, right right now you have Lavian Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, uh, right off the top of my head, uh, you, you got a guy like LaShawn McCoy who's going to get most of the carries. I mean, these are guys that you are going to get about. David Johnson. Um, David Johnson. Um, right now, I mean, it, you bring up CJ. CJ's still getting 20 touches a game, and that's what you're looking out of a workhorse back. So, so there's yeah, but you're, some I mean, you're, there, but they're I – mean, So we're talking, you know, maybe six teams out of the 32. Yeah, like that, I said, about know, five or able, six. Yeah, so, I mean, I think – Melvin Gordon. You know, but you look at the really successful teams, you know, with the exception of maybe the Steelers and the Patriots have seven running backs, you know, and that they use, you know, every single week. You know, the Seahawks have three running backs. I don't know which one of them is going to be actually good right now, but, you know – I, but the most teams that you see that have like the most successful offenses, I, I think it's one of those things where you see the continuity, like like Atlanta right now. Devont, they, I mean, Tevin Coleman gets touches, but Devontae Freeman's their he's guy, the guy. Yeah. and he's a guy. It, it, running backs, one of those things you talk about to running backs, they're a position that needs rhythm. They need like rhythm to make things happen, and you can't get that unless you start feeding them in the beginning. And so that's kind of the problem. I think you see with these teams that have running backs by committee and they don't have success. You're, you're not getting your guys in rhythm. All right. We got to get going now. Seahawks Titans pregame coming up here on the fan next, followed up by of course, Seahawks versus Titans, which is at uh, one o'clock today. You will see, you will hear that game right here on the fan. You'll hear every Seahawks game next week. We'll be on from eight to nine 30 AM. Uh, so catch us then. We and will. then, yes, we will. Okay. And that's when you'll hear us then. And then uh, we'll be back next week. Have a good one, guys. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.